0: Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. This is the final week of our Deep fake series. So we've been talking about videos, you know, where, where people pretend to be someone they're not. Your faces are swapped. We've had some, we had some awkward situations, especially when you submitted your own videos. Um, but tonight, we're finishing it up. So we've talked about everything from politics to gender to social media. And tonight, the final issue we're talking about during our deep fake series is the issue of sex and the way that I'm framing it tonight because we've been talking about lies you know the fakes that we hear through the media sometimes through you know social media sometimes just in conversations we have with others and this is maybe something that I think a lot of people are led to believe and it's that everything I need to know about sex can be learned in health class and, and I wrote it like that because you know, there was a, a situation here in Cabell County where there was a teacher that was trying to give truth from the Bible in her health class, and she got a lot of backlash for it, right? She was kind of silenced. Um, so we know as, as believers that not everything... About sex can be learned in health class. It's not just a matter of textbooks. The, the Bible speaks to this issue. And I think what's so interesting is, is you know, in our tag, we brought it up that we're going to be talking about that tonight. And I don't know if it was brought up in your tag or not, but there's different reactions when you hear, oh, at church, we're going to talk about that word. We're going to talk about sex. You know, some it's, it's giggles, you know, it's like, ha ha, you know, he said it. Um, Some it's like this, like eye rolling, like oh my goodness, let's yeah. Why do I have to hear my youth pastor talk about this? Yeah. Some it's like like squirming in the seat, kind of like because you're uncomfortable and it's like a very awkward thing to talk about. So no matter where like this subject finds you tonight, um, I want to ask you to commit uh, commit to two things, and and the first is to consider what God has to say about sex. You know, the world is screaming at you about it with all kinds of conflicting messages. But thankfully, God's word is very clear. It speaks about it clearly, and it speaks about it often. So as, as we're going through this, this is not gonna be Matt McClay's opinion on it. <laughs> you definitely wanna, <laughs> you know, we don't need that. What we need is what a God's truth is on it. So, so please, please approach this not from let's, you know, somebody's opinion. This is God's word on it. The second thing, as, as we're getting into this is please don't be a distraction to others as we talk about this. Um, this is an issue that like I said it it, it when, sometimes when we feel awkward or we feel like, like, like just cringe about a subject, we tend to laugh, we tend to try to distract ourselves and distract our mind, but sometimes we can distract others by doing that. Yeah. You know, so please, unless you absolutely are about to have a code brown, please don't leave to go to the restroom. Um, please don't you know, bother the person on this side or this side or behind you or in front of you um, because this is what God has to say. So please don't be a distraction to others um, as we talk about this i was uh I was joking with um, with Tim yates uh, you know how like most pastors they have to figure out how to preach like Easter for the fiftieth time in their lives and how to like you know, you find a new way or a new passage in the Bible to teach you know, Easter, because poor Pastor Lemming's done it for like 40 years. Like It's incredible he hasn't run out of material on Easter because he preaches Easter Sunday every year. For me, the struggle is, okay, I need to find a new way to talk about sex from the Bible, youth pastor problems, right? So as I was thinking through and how are we gonna approach it this year, I just get, got the sense from talking to many of you that you feel like kind of beaten down and like barraged in this area. Like there is so much out there. From social media to to TikTok to even like trash songs on the radio that are like way I feel like way too descriptive for like you know, like the public airwaves or whatever like like you're you're being hit you know, high and low in every direction with messages that give you somebody's opinion and somebody's perspective. On sex. And it's hard to be a, a, a Christian teenager, harder, I think, than it ever has, and to believe what God has to say about sex, to, to do the right thing when you're surrounded by a world that often doesn't do the right thing. So, tonight, instead of giving you like a sad story, like a David and Bathsheba story, I want to give you a story from the Bible about someone who was tempted, just like you were, and just like you are but he emerged victorious from the temptation. So if you have your Bible, open to Genesis 39. We're going to be talking about Joseph. And as you're turning there, I want you uh, this, if there's one thing I want you to remember through this whole lesson, it's this. That the same God who was with Joseph during his temptation is the same God who lives inside you. So the same power to do the right thing that Joseph was given by God is the same power that God gives you to make the right choices and to do the right thing. So the same God that was with Joseph lives in you. And in Genesis chapter 39, we meet Joseph, but we're like halfway into Joseph's life story. You know, everybody has a life story, right? You have a life story, and if I were to ask you about what's going on in your life, I'd need some context. You know, you had things that happened when you were a kid and when you were like an early teenager and things that happened in middle school. Well, Joseph has had quite a life at this point. His mother was one of his dad's two wives, and his dad had 12 sons and other daughters by four different women. So you think your family has problems, okay? Joseph was born into a crazy family, and Joseph's mom passed away while she was giving birth to his younger brother. So Joseph grew up without his own mother, but he grew up with three stepmothers in the same house. And Joseph was his dad's favorite. His dad loved him so much that he gave Joseph things that no, but none of the other brothers got. And you know how that works in your house, right? When one sibling seems to be the favorite, what do you do? You pick up a tree and knock that kid out, right? Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah you, as, as long as you're, you, if you're not the favorite, nobody else can be the favorite, right? And that's what Joseph's brothers did. His dad made him like this ornate, like beautiful, like coat, and Joseph was like walking around with him, and they're like, it's time to kill our brother. So Joseph's brothers get together, They throw him in this pit and leave him for dead. And they're like, well, we probably shouldn't kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. Logical thinking, right? So they sell their brother into slavery. He's picked up by this group of people called the Ishmaelites. They take him down to Egypt and on the slave market, remember this thousands of years ago, they sell him to an Egyptian man who is well-known, important in the land of Egypt named Potiphar. And the Bible says earlier in Genesis 39 that God was with Joseph and that through God, Joseph found favor with Potiphar and Potiphar promoted Joseph and promoted Joseph and promoted Joseph to where Joseph was in charge of all of Potiphar's house. I mean, he had like a mansion and grounds and livestock and everything. And Joseph was in charge of it all. And that's where we pick up Joseph's story in Genesis chapter 39, verse six. So we're we're gonna read it together. And we'll kind of comment on it as we read the story. Halfway through verse 6 is where we pick up. And it says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Mm, mm, mm. He was what you might call man candy. Okay. Yeah. He he, he had like the washboard abs. You know, because it says he was handsome in form. That means he was buff. I mean, he'd be hitting the gym. Like, like he's looking good. He probably had a nice like. Yeah, he he went to the. He he did the GTL gym, tan, laundry. I mean, he was looking good. And he says he was um, handsome in form and appearance. I mean, he had those eyes that you could just stare into forever. You know, he had like perfectly, you know, like like brown locks of hair that just flowed in the breeze. Like, like he had like the, the, the pronounced cheekbones and I don't know. What, whatever girls find attractive, he had it. Okay, he had it. He was mm, 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 handsome in form and appearance. He was a little afternoon snack. Verse 7. Sorry. Where's April? Okay, I always need to, April tells me when I go too far. But now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time, his master's wife remember Potiphar's wife she cast her eyes on Joseph, so she's, she agrees with this. She says, "Wow, he really is handsome in form and appearance. This is a problem, right? She cast her eyes on Joseph and said, "Lie with me." So she cuts right to the chase, right? She wants Joseph to commit adultery with her, just in case you didn't pick up what she was putting down. Lie with me, verse 8. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of my master, he has no my master has because of me and my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put everything he has in my charge. He's not greater in the house than I am, nor has he kept anything back from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So Joseph shuts her down. He says, Uh-uh. Verse 10, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, so she keeps coming back, she keeps coming back. She keeps hitting on him, she keeps hitting on him, she keeps hitting on him, she keeps hitting on him. him. Day after day after day, he would not listen to her to lie down beside her or to be with her. Every day he was faced with that temptation. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But one day, verse 11, when he went into the house to do his work, none of the men of the house were there. Verse 12, she caught him by his garment. She grabbed him by his, his, his outer garment. Poor Joseph, he's got a, he, if I were Joseph, I'd never wear a coat again. Coats are always getting him into trouble, you realize that? Like, like she grabs onto his, his outer garment, his coat, and she says, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled out of the house. So the, 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 the Middle Eastern dress there was, you know, was, was that people would wear an outer garment and then they'd have like kind of like a long flowing like robe and what they would call like breeches, like kind of like whatever, you, I, I, I don't know women's clothing titles, but you know, you, you girls wear those pants that are like this big around, like poofy, the poofy pants. I don't know what they're called, never mind. Um, but you know, they were these long flowing pants and, and had like a long, like a tunic and, and then they would, and an outer coat. So Joseph was not naked. I, I gotta clear that up. But she, he, he like worked his way out of the coat and just ran. He's like, this woman's crazy. Like, yeah, like, like I gotta get out of here. And he ran. And then she was Embarrassed. You get shut. She got shut down day after day after day after day and it hurt her pride. So in verse 13, as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled out of the house, she called to the men of the house and said, see, he's brought a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in here, she's lying now, right? He came in here to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice. As soon as I heard that he or as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. So Potiphar's wife embarrassed calls for the other people and 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 pretends like it was Joseph that came on to her. So as you can imagine, Potiphar gets ticked. He says this guy's trying to this guy's trying to get my wife to cheat on me. I'm going to throw him in jail. And he throws Joseph in jail. But what's interesting, though, is even after Joseph was in jail, these words aren't on the screen. Um, In verse 21, it says, in the prison, the Lord was with Joseph, showed him steadfast love, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So even though Joseph ended up in prison, and he would later get out of prison and do some really incredible things, God was still with him. He, He was with him when he entered Potiphar's house, he was with him when he was tempted, and he was with him, after he emerged victorious from the temptation. So from Joseph's story, there are three things I want to share with you that we find right in this text here. Three things that you learn from Joseph's story that you won't learn in health class. So buckle up. Here we go. The first thing that we learn is that you don't have to look for temptation. Temptation comes looking for you. It's interesting, there are some things that Joseph could not help in this situation. I wrote a few things down. Joseph couldn't help his looks. He's like, I can't help it that I'm hot. Like, like he, he couldn't help his looks. And, and if Joseph were but ugly, Pharaoh, uh, Potiphar's wife would not have come on to him and he would not have been put in that situation. You know, we can't, you know, there are times when I say we, like people are just like throwing themselves at me. You know, there are times where you, you, you can't help that people, are tra- that people are trying to get you to sin. That people, are trying to, that, 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 that people are trying to get you to dishonor God in the area of sex. You can't help it just like Joseph. Joseph couldn't help his past. Think about the rejection that Joseph experienced. To have your family reject you, try to kill you, and sell you into slavery. Everything from his family history, it was rejection, 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 rejection. And then all of a sudden, this, you know, the, 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 this rich loaded cougar lady Wants to be his sugar mama. That's what it was. And Joseph, you know, if he didn't have God with him and he wasn't morally upright, it would have been very easy for him to give in to that temptation. Just like some people, when they feel rejected, and then somebody reaches out to them and tries to get them to compromise sexually because they want to feel that acceptance they give in. Joseph was in that situation. Joseph couldn't help his environment. It's not like Joseph gets like, well, I think I am going to quit here and I'm going to go work down at Dairy Queen. Like Joseph was a servant. He, if, if he would have left Potiphar's house and stopped his, his service at Potiphar's house, he could have been hunting down either killed or thrown into prison. So Joseph had no choice. He had to continue to go back to the place where he was being tempted. Just like some of you, you have no choice the class that you're stuck in with that person that just keeps saying these perverted things to you and these perverted things to you and these perverted things to you and tries to get you to compromise morally. Sometimes there are times you can help the environment you're in, but there's sometimes you can't help the environment you're in. And it's interesting here that temptation came looking for Joseph and it comes looking for you. And sometimes it doesn't come looking for you by a person sitting behind you or in front of you in class, it comes to you like this. It comes to you through a DM, it comes to you through a snap to try to get you to compromise sexually breaking from God's plan. It's also interesting that temptation for Joseph, it didn't just happen one time. The first time she said lie with me and he said "Uh, no. That was not the end of it. It said day after day after day. Right there in verse 10, she spoke to Joseph day after day, but he wouldn't listen to her. And not only does temptation, especially in this area of sexuality, happen all the time and it happens consistently, a lot of times it escalates. Do you see how every time she went after Joseph, she got more intense and she got more intense when the, the, the final straw was when she actually literally grabbed his clothes and tried to pull him into her bed. I hate to tell you this, but temptation often will escalate. And just because you say no once doesn't mean it's going to go away. So we learn, and and you've realized this, I know. So for some of you, the temptation, you didn't ask for it, something popped up on your phone. You you were Googling something, you clicked a link, and boom, there it was. And you can't get the image out of your mind. You know this. You don't have to go looking for temptation, it comes looking for you. Here's the next thing we learn. Breaking from God's plan from sex affects your relationships with others and affects your relationship with him. What is so interesting here, if you look at verse nine, Joseph says, he talks about all the things that Potiphar did for him. And he says, how can I do this against Potiphar who was so kind to me and trusted me so much. So it, Joseph compromising would have affected his relationship with Potiphar. It also would have affected his relationship with God because he says, how can I do this and sin against God? Why would Joseph have been sinning against God by sleeping with Potiphar's wife? It's because God is very clear what his plan for sex is. And if you have your Bible, you put, put a finger or put something there in Genesis 39, because we're going to come back to it. But turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and God's plan for, for sexuality and, and is, is all throughout the Bible, but it's probably no more clear than in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and chapter 7. So we're going to read a little bit. And first, we're going to look at, according to God's word, what his plan for sex is not. We're gonna start reading in verse nine. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Here, God lists several ways in which people sin in the area of sex, ways in which people break from God's plan for sexuality. And we don't have time to like go over every single one of them in detail, but I just want to show you a few of them. First, it talks about the sexually immoral. That Greek word is the word pornos, which you probably recognize that there's an English word that we got from that word. And that word literally just means any kind of sex outside of marriage. It's it's kind of like a catch-all term. So, So pornography would fall under that. Um, a a guy and a girl sleeping around outside of marriage would fall under that as he keeps talking he he goes to the next the, the next sexual sin that we see in here is adulterers so that's a husband that cheats on a wife it's a wife that cheats on a husband it's a married person that steps out and cheats on someone or it's someone who cheats with someone who is already married that's the word moikos in the greek the next word, it, it, it's kind of all combined into this, it says, nor men who practice, but that—that that is a Greek phrase that's called malakos, and that has to do with like, they would have understood it as prostitution, but it's like the commercialization of sex. You know what's sad? Is that over the pandemic, I've been told that there are certain segments of the internet that commercialize sexuality that have experienced a 400% increase in their revenue because people are alone, at home, stuck on their phones with nothing to do. The Bible speaks specifically against the commercialization of sex. And then it says, nor uh, uh, men who practice homosexuality. That's the word aristokonis, which literally means, and I'm not going to get deep into it because that Greek word has some, it has some meaning that is very descriptive, but literally what it means is someone who has sex with someone else of the same gender. And I'm going to leave it at that. So we see God's, we see here what God's plan for sex is not, but then as we continue to read in verse 12, it also tells us, some of your eyes are like this, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it also tells us, it, it refutes an argument that you hear a lot, is that as long as you protect your body, you're okay. But what we see here, in starting in verse 12, is, is, a, is, a, is a saying that these Corinthians said that God says, that's wrong. It says here, food, verse 13, food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach meant for food, and God will destroy both one or the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. The Corinthians believed that anything they would eat, anything they would do with their body had absolutely nothing to do with their spiritual life. But what God says here is that it has absolutely everything to do with your spiritual life. Um, did you know that when, when you share the most intimate part of yourself with someone else, that you can't get that part of yourself back? When you make a deep soul connection with someone and then you break up, you still have an intimate connection with someone who doesn't know you and who doesn't love you. And you maybe see in the halls of the schoolway, or you see him posting on social media, and you have an intimate connection with someone that doesn't love you. And you talk about your soul hurting. I kind of liken it to a pop can. Some of you are never gonna be able to drink a Coca-Cola again, so all you're gonna be able to think about is this lesson. But if I were to like shake this Coke can, if I were to toss it to Ethan, and Ethan were to toss it back to me, or I were to toss it to Carter, and Carter were to toss it to me, and I were to toss it to Joey, and Joey were to toss it to me, what would happen if I opened this can right now? Should I try it? Yes. Oh, I didn't think it would go that much. Okay, we have a carpet cleaner. So, here's the question. I've got a pop can here. You saw the pop that left the pop can, right? You saw the pop that left the pop can? It's now on the floor. Hey, Ethan, will you come up here? Since you're sitting right here, you're in the thunder zone. Will you take the pop that got on the carpet, will you put it back in the pop can? Can't do that. Can't do it, can you? Thank you. You can have a seat. (laughs) (laughs) It's this. Yeah, give it up for Ethan. (laughs) (laughs) Really coming in clutch for me, I appreciate it. The same has to do with your sexuality. You give someone a part of your soul, you can't get it back. You can't get it back. And that's what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is reminding us is that when you, verses 12 through 14 of chapter 6, that when you give someone part of your soul, you can't get it back. Sex affects more than just your body. It affects your soul, and it affects your relationship with God. So we talked about what sex is, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we learn what sex is. Chapter 7 verse 1, it says this, now concerning matters about which you wrote, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. These Corinthians were so crazy, they're like, well... I mean, I guess if there's all these problems, maybe, but, we, but everybody just all better never have, you just treat sex as dirty and treat sex as bad. And that's what some Christians portray sex as. But Paul says, no, 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 that's not how you should do it. He says in verse two, because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have his own husband. The husband should um, give his, to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. Here's the plan. God's plan for sex is between is in a marriage between a husband and a wife committed for life. And when they experience that intimacy, their souls are connected and they're never separated. Hudson, you're a good man. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> he, he's pretty, uh, here's, here pretty soon. Hudson's a good man. So, so we learn what God's plan for sex is, what God's plan for sex isn't. But do you see how God, how breaking from God's plan for sex affects your relationship with others just as it would have affected Joseph's relationship with Potiphar? It affects first your relationship with your future spouse, right? Can you imagine somebody doing with your future spouse what you want to do with somebody else's future spouse? It affects your relationship with your your future spouse. It it affects your relationship with your parents. You have built trust with your parents and you're undermining that trust. It affects your relationship with your kids one day because... Because, and I hate to say it, but may, and maybe this is way too close to home for some of you, but there are a lot of families that have been broken up because of a dad or because of a mom that didn't stay true to their, their marital vows and, and they, they cheated. So, so it affects your relationship with others. It also affects your relationship with God. We see here these, these deviations from God's plan in First Corinthians 6. It says that these people will not inherit the kingdom of god meaning this is this is a sin and just like other sins it affects our relationship with god now there's some good news here that just as hudson came and cleaned up this mess god sent jesus do you like that segue? God sent Jesus on the cross to clean up the mess of our sin, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. So, so we, we learned that, that breaking from God's plan for sex affects not just our relationship with others, just like Joseph's relationship with Potiphar, it affects our relationship with God. Joseph, the biggest problem for Joseph is in verse 10 when he said, or verse 9 when he said, how can I do this and how can I sin against God? The God who, the, the God who wants to use me, You know, it's a God that was with Joseph, Joseph found favor with Potiphar, And God ended up, because Joseph was faithful here, God gave him the strength to stand against that temptation. Joseph did end up in prison, but God was still with Joseph. God was still using Joseph. He sprung Joseph out of prison to where Joseph became the second in command of all of Egypt. Joseph literally saved the world from starvation. He saved his family from starvation. And through Joseph's family, Jesus came and saved the world from sin. So God had a huge plan for Joseph. Joseph knew it and he said how can I sin against God same deal God has a great plan for your life God wants to do great things through you But you have to stay faithful to him So that God will can use you and will choose to use you in some of these areas so you know, Breaking from God's plan for sex affects our relationship with God with others and here's the third thing and this is where the encouragement comes in You never stand alone What we remember here is that God was with Joseph. If if, if I were to read it, it would say verse 2 of chapter 39, we're back in Genesis, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 3, his master saw the Lord was with him. Verse 20, when he gets put into prison, it says he was confined there in prison, verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 23, it says the Lord was with him. You get the point? You feel like you're alone. You feel like you're the only person who isn't sleeping around. You feel like you're the only person without a TikTok or the only person without an Instagram. You're the only person who doesn't like send provocative pictures back and forth with other people. You don't stand alone. You're never alone if you're a follower of Jesus. God is with you. And remember the same God who gave Joseph the strength to stand against sexual temptation thousands of years ago is the God who lives inside you. So you say, okay, I'm picking up what you're putting down, but how do I stay strong? Well, this is the, the, the lesson on sex, so I have five F words for you tonight. And the first, the first is figure. They come from Genesis 39. The first is figure out boundaries now, not later. Joseph already knew in his heart that he would refuse to sin against God. So when Potiphar's wife came up to him and was like, hey there, big boy, you look good in form and in uh, fashion, or however it says it, lie with me, Joseph said, absolutely not. I've already decided I'm not gonna sin against God. You know, we need to put boundaries in our life so that we can resist temptation. And now is the time, at Refuel on Wednesday, At home reading your Bible is the time to figure out the boundaries. The time to not figure out the boundaries is when you're alone with your significant other on a Friday night. That's not the time to figure out boundaries. The time to figure out boundaries is in the morning when you're doing your devos. It's not on a Saturday afternoon when you're alone at home with just your phone in your room. That's not the time to figure out the boundaries. So we need to set boundaries and say, I I, I will not do this and I will not do that. Even boundaries digitally. Just like Joseph had boundaries, we have to set boundaries. You have to set boundaries. And now's the time, I promise you, now is the time to set them. Don't set them in college, don't set them on prom night. Set them now. The next F word is that we need to flee, not flirt with temptation. There's actually two for the price of one there on F words, if you noticed. Flee, not flirt with temptation. In, 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 chapter, in, in chapter 39, verse 12, it says, She caught him by his garment and said, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand, and he fled out of the house. You know, it's interesting that Paul tells Timothy in, in, in 2 Timothy to flee youthful lusts. He says, don't try to fight the hormones, flee, flee. It's interesting that even in James, uh, James 4, 7, it says that we're supposed to resist the devil. What, What does it tell you about the destructive nature of temptation, especially in the area of sexuality, that we're told to resist the devil, but to flee youthful lusts? If you're in a situation where you're being pressured to compromise sexually, whether, whether it's a digital situation, whether it's a, it's a place, you're, you're literally somewhere where somebody's trying to get you to compromise, get out. This is not the time to necessarily worry about hurting someone's feelings. It's not, that it, you know, it's not the time to worry about the, 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 the repercussions. You know, if you have to, go nuclear. I pro- here, here's, this is the nuclear option. Call your parents. I promise you, you pick up your phone and you say, hey dad, I'm here with this guy and he's making me uncomfortable. Your, your, your dad, he, he's not even gonna put pants on. He's just gonna grab his Glock, get in his truck, get down there, and get you out. And you know I'm telling the truth, aren't you? If you have to go nuclear, if you don't have a mom or a dad that is engaged in your life, you can always call April, you can always call me. I promise I'll put my pants on. Um, you, you can call me, but flee. Flee, don't flirt with temptation. Yeah, I promise you will not win the battle against temptation if you don't get out of there. It's like Mr. Miyagi and the Karate Kid. Or is this, like this is like something, that's like a boomer thing, right? But Mr. Miyagi said the best defense is no be there. Flee, don't flirt with temptation. The next, the next, and here's where we get to Hudson's napkins. Um, receive forgiveness through Jesus. You know what's sad is that in the constant barrage of this sexuality that we get from pretty much every angle in our culture, people fall, people falter, people compromise in this area, and then especially in this particular area, there's so much shame that seems to be associated with when you compromise in this area or when you fall, and I think a lot of us, because people like to talk about this. Do you see what she did with him or what he did with her? Do you hear about what happened on prom night? There's this shame that's associated with it. Some of you are scared to death that people will discover that you have a, like a pornography addiction or something. Here's what you need to know. You can receive the forgiveness of Jesus. The verse is gonna be on the screen here, but back in 1 Corinthians chapter six where it lists those sexual sins among other sins, I love what it says here. Let me turn there. It says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. It says that you were washed, meaning you were forgiven of your sins. You were washed clean of those sins that everybody else will not forget about. You were washed clean of those sins. It says that you were sanctified, meaning that you were restored to a place of being set apart from the world. And it says you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, some people may never forget Your failure. Some people may never forget what they heard you did that night, but when God looks at you, when you've received the forgiveness of Christ, through the gospel of Christ, when God looks at you, he does not see your sin, he sees the blood of Jesus. That's what it means to be justified. So you can receive forgiveness through Jesus. If you're not a Christian and you're like, man, I've really screwed this up in this area, and God would never forgive me, yes, he did you say God can't forgive you, what you're saying is the blood of Jesus wasn't good enough to save you from your sins. Receive forgiveness through Jesus. Um, The next um, is discover freedom from addictions. What's so sad is the statistics. I didn't even get it. I was gonna get into them tonight, but didn't. It's, It's that the average age of exposure to pornography, the average age of first exposure to pornography is 11 years old. It's 11 years old. If I told that to your parents, there would be gasps. But I said it here and there were no gas because you guys know what I'm talking about. It can be addicting. Some of these sexual things can be addicting. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says that we should be renewing our minds. That means we need to start putting Bible in. We need to start... I wish I could get into the science of this. We need to start working. They say the more that you repeat something, the more of a neural pathway like rut you work into your mind. So some of you, you, you've consumed so much sexual content that your mind is just going right to that and it's going right to that and it's going right to that. You know what the Bible says? The Bible is like, is like the precursor to psychology. It figured it out before the psychologists figured it out that you need to constantly renew your mind by spending time in God's word, being around God's people, serving God, and you're making new ruts in your mind. They're gonna take you to to holy places and godly places instead of those places that you really wish you didn't end up every night. And then the final thing is find help through godly friends. I'm glad I have time to cover this one because statistically speaking, in, in a group this size, there are easily several people in the room tonight who you didn't get to make the decision whether or not to compromise sexually. That decision was stolen from you they say sexual abuse is rampant. And you, you, you didn't even realize maybe what was going on for a long time. And someone took from you what they had no business taking from you. You know what's sad is that, that when that happens, a lot of times the person who is the victim often feels a lot of shame and often feels like God is mad at them or upset with them. But I kind of, Can I tell you that when Jesus found victims, you know what he did? He ran to them with compassion and if that if if you're someone who you know you didn't you didn't have the choice you know, that choice was taken from you long time ago and you lived in a abusive situation or you're living now in an abusive situation the first thing you need to know is God is not mad at you but God is near to the brokenhearted so he his heart is going out to you right now he loves you and he wants you to find a place of protection so you can find help through family and friends. Whether you're, you're, you've dealt with abuse or you're dealing with abuse or whether you're, you're, you're addicted or you, just, you, you, you feel overwhelmed by the pressure to compromise in this area, you don't go through it alone. First, you the same God that's with Joseph is with you. Second, you've got a family here. If you need to talk to someone tonight, I'm gonna put our number on the screen. This is the teen helpline. And this number goes to me and April at the same time. And if it's a girl that texts, I let April take over. If it's a guy that texts, I take over. You're never alone. This number works 24-7. And if you need someone to pray with you, if you're in a difficult situation and you need out, you text this number, you call this number, and we will be there. It's not easy to stand almost what it feels like by yourself in a culture That is not living for God. But Joseph did it because God was with him. You can do it because God is with you. And you've got a whole family here cheering for you. You can do it. So let's pray and we'll get out of here. Uh, Father, this is not an easy one tonight and um, not a comfortable one tonight. But God, every day we are bombarded with the deep fakes the lies when it comes to this area. Um, God, I pray this evening for every teen in the room, and I, I pray for them and, and, and their relationship with their future spouse. Um, God, that they will be God-honoring before marriage, and they'll be God-honoring after marriage. I pray for those in the room who just feel, feel beaten down and maybe struggling with a failure in this area, God, that they will receive your forgiveness. They will remember that you, have, that you can wash them clean, uh, that you can restore that relationship with you. Uh, God, I pray for people here tonight that are struggling with uh, addiction in this area. Uh, God, that they'll find freedom through you. Um, God, I think about people who have, who have been hurt in this area. Um, God, I pray that they will know that they are loved, that they are worth far more than rubies, um, that you loved them enough to send Jesus to die for them, and that you were near to the brokenhearted. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that even things as, as heavy as this have been overcome by the cross. Thank you that you have a wonderful plan for us in this area. I pray that we'll honor that plan in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.